Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapah, and welcome to the show, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Bible Talk, put together many moons ago uh, by the brother Mashaba, mighty Mashaba, who is currently on location, y'all, <laughs> on location, roughing it out, uh, celebrating the Feast of Boots, or also known as the Feast of Tabernacle, uh, him and the brothers in Albuquerque, the brother uh, Aish, are really getting it in, y'all, <laughs> really roughing it out. They are up in a, uh, um, in a mountain in a uh, disclosed location, undisclosed location, I should say, <laughs> uh, getting it in, man. And doing all seven days of the feast, man. Power to you, brothers, man. All praises to the Most High, man. You brothers, uh, try to stay warm. I heard Mashaba told me. I talked to him last night. He says getting down into like the forties and the thirties at nighttime. So, whew. yeah. <laughs> but shout out to you, brothers, man. Uh, Mashaba is having a wonderful time. He informed me of that last night. Uh, Mashaba, I don't know if you, if he's, are you doing it from on location? You still going to do the show out? Not sure. Let me know. I'm sure inquiring minds want to know. Uh, but shout out to you, brothers. Also, man, shout out to uh, our brothers here in San Antonio under a war. Shout out to the brothers down at H-Town under Quatazop, <clears throat> the brothers in VA under uh, the brother uh, Kazakia. Also, shout out to the brother, uh, Zainal up in Rochester. Shout out to uh, Kyle Cobb down in Guatemala. So, um, y'all, this weekend, we had a little shindig ourselves. Uh, we didn't do it as big as the brothers in Albuquerque are doing it. We only did it one day uh, as far as the Feast of Tabernacle celebrating. Uh, but remember, y'all, it goes seven days, uh, and I believe, Mishab informed me last night that the last day of Thetis Tabernacle, the last official day of the seven days, would be at Thursday, sunset, this Thursday at sunset, y'all. But uh, back to what I was saying, uh, yeah, we, we did it. We rolled out Saturday morning, and uh, we were there Saturday pretty much the whole day, and we stayed over to Sunday morning, uh, the two camps, uh, SOT, and uh, SOW celebrating the Feast of Tabernacle, man. And it was wonderful, man. It was beautiful. Um, wish wish we could have had more time, as always. The facilities were beautiful, man. Um, we were in Flatonia, like down the street from Flatonia, all right off of 10, y'all. Uh, met the Houston camp. I love seeing those brothers, and man, shouts out to y'all, man. Look, round of applause. That round of applause, man, I love how the Houston camp deals with each other, man. I love how they deal with their children. And what I mean by this, and not to take away 
from what any other camp is doing, but I've just seen this witness with my own eyes, man, and I thoroughly appreciate it, how they deal with each other's children. I mean, it ain't no, you know, because the proverb, that old proverb, they say it's an African proverb, but I'm inclined to believe is an Israelite proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child, man. I've seen Houston truly roll and live in that statement, man, because I've seen them deal with each other's kids, like reprimand each other's kids, look out for each other's kids, and there's no beef. There's no issue. There's no problem. You got nobody running from over in the corner saying, nah, I'm talking to my kid that way. Nah, how dare you put your hands on my kid, check my – it ain't none of that going on. Not that I've seen. And I, like I said, I thoroughly appreciate that because this is what we're here for. Remember, even the Most High talks about it in Hebrews, and he also says it in Proverbs. He says, my, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. He says, whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So when we chastise these other children, it's not done out of maliciousness. It's not done because I don't like your mama. I don't like who your daddy is. It's done because I love you. I love you, nephew. I love you, niece. I'm looking after you. I'm loving you like your own father would. Come on, y'all. After all, we run around calling ourselves Hebrew Israelites, right? The word for father in Hebrew is Abba, but it's the same word. For uncle, <laughs> the word for mother in Hebrew is ama, but it's the same word for aunt or auntie. <laughs> Thoroughly, like I said, applause you brothers in H-Town for living by that. It needs to spread. It needs to spread. It shouldn't be different stipulations for different children. It should be across the board, y'all, because the Bible applies to us all. Don't the scripture says raise up a child in the way they shall go, and when they get older they shall not depart? Don't the scripture say that? Are we truly living by that, though? Anyway, round of applause to those brothers, man. Thoroughly enjoyed seeing them as always, man. Seeing the families grow. And that's that's the highlight of the high holy days for me, y'all. Is seeing Israel grow, man. I'm seeing the youngins come up and seeing the next generation of Israelites, man. Hopefully it ain't too many more generations that we're going to be here in this effed up place because I'm ready to go. I'm sick of this damn place, man. It gets worse by the day. But I enjoy seeing the young Israelites come up, man. Enjoying seeing the brothers, man. I'm glad that we fellowship with H-Town, man. Man, the scriptures say that iron sharpens iron. It is a joy, man, and a comfort, and it's inspiring to see other brothers and sisters doing the same thing that you're doing, going through the same trials and tribulations that you're going through. They can relate to you. You can relate to them. That's a beautiful thing to see, man. 
beautiful. I love fellowshipping in that way. Man, I can't wait to uh, the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, coming up right around the corner, man, to get with those brothers again and to fellowship, man, to get with those families again to fellowship. All the sisters, man, big ups to the big ups to the sisters, man. Round of applause. Salute to the sisters, man, for serving this weekend, man. They 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 put their work in, as they always do. But they in the they in the kitchen on location. Their kitchen ain't never been in and doing the damn thing, man. Doing the damn thing, man. And serving with ease, serving with smiles. None of the all the sisters were in good spirits, great spirits, man. Smiling faces, shalom, and it was authentic. It was sincere, man. Because you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, you get the sisters that serving that really don't want to be serving. Jaws all tight, face all balled up, halfway want to speak. <laughs> they mad because they eat last. I mean. <laughs> You get this. You get this sometimes. I, I noticed these things. But I did not see this spirit present, this go-round, man. And I'm so appreciative that all praise to the most high Brakstai Haobashim Yahushai. All praises, man. Um, it was a great time, man. It was a great time. Um, the facilities. I liked them. They were uh, well organized. They were clean. Because we'd been to, what, about three different spots over the past three years. And this one I liked better, man, um, because of the the way it was kept. The, this this owner, it was Esau, y'all, of course. But uh, he kept his land up pretty good, man, his property. He really was on it, man. So I could appreciate that. Which, like I said, wish we could have stayed longer, man. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm going to have to invest in some type of tent uh, with a retractable roof or something, man, because the, the stars and the moon, man. I'm back, y'all. They got they they kicked me off. I guess because I said Esau. <laughs> so every time we talk about Esau, man, they cut me off. Anyway, man, uh, what I was saying was, I guess I'm about to invest in me a, a tent with a retractable roof, so I can see the stars and the moon at night. The one thing I like about Texas, man, and I guess that's why they have uh, NASA here in Houston. Uh, because it seems like, I don't know, maybe this part of the uh, globe is closer to the, the stars and the moon. But, man, you can really see the stars and the uh, the moon right here in Texas, man. So I really love that, uh, that scenery, man. Like I said, I wish I could have just had a tent. Where, and I started to not put the little rain thing on it, man, but you just never know with just Texas weather. Plus, last year it rained on us, and I wasn't finna go through that again. It was muddy, and it was a mess last year. Uh, but I would have loved to just, you know, went to sleep uh, and been able to watch the stars and the moon anyway, man. 
Uh, let me go ahead and get the show started, y'all. Like I always do, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Uh, and I do, I hope everybody is healthy. Hope everybody's in the spirits, man. Hope everybody had a great Shabbat, great weekend, a great Feast of Tabernacles for the brothers and sisters that uh, are following the same calendar that we're following and celebrated it this weekend. Um, go ahead and get into the show. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on a daily, y'all, so we can get the hell on, man. Get the hell on out of this wicked place. All right, get Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good or bad, happy or sad, the most high about you to it, it'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it. Please believe me. This is a scripture that I had to just keep reiterating in my head this weekend because it was some things going on, man, that I was as a damn old school oven. Yeah. Some rebellion was running rapid all through my household, man. To where a brother was doing damn oil changes at damn 11 o'clock at night. I'm sorry, breaks 11 o'clock at night. Then had to turn around the next day and do uh, oil change. Rebellion, man. Rebellion. So, told my, my woman, one of my women, to get a car service months months ago because I knew the feast was coming up and we were going to have to travel. But her doing her, doing her, I'm going to do me. Didn't listen. Damn breaks. Damn near metal to metal, y'all. Metal to metal. Told her months ago, go get the stuff. I put the, put the brakes on. Spirit of rebellion, man. Israel want to be Israel. Do what they want to do, man. I ain't listening to you, nigga. Anyway, man, that's my little soapbox, but I had to just keep uh, reiterating this scripture, man. This is, what, this is what the most I got is that. Let me go ahead and do it. I wasn't trying to mess the spirit of things up this weekend, man. Try to stay positive in good spirits, man. Ooh. All right, let's go ahead and get into the news. If it's your first time tuning in, I do about an hour of news, current events, uh, Talks by Soapbox, which I just got off a little bit of it. Um, then I get into the class at hand. And also, man, I'm going to start doing the help corner, and I am definitely going to get into it after the news, y'all. But I got a little bit of news I want to get into. And in case you don't know, it's your first time tuning in, we are the people of the book. We are the Hebrew Israelites, Hebrew being our language. Israelite being our nationality, and this is proven all throughout the Bible, which is, in fact, a history book, and we use other secular sources to validate the Bible to prove we are the people of the book, and I mean those so-called blacks, Native Americans, uh, and Hispanics that are scattered specifically here in the Western Hemisphere, in the Americas, 
But we know that the Israelites are all over the globe. We are scattered throughout the four corners, y'all. So like I said, we are the people of the book. We pride ourselves on proving these things. All right. The first article I want to get in today, y'all, comes from, let me get the uh, site for y'all. What is this? Rising? Wait a minute. Mm, what publication is this? I am sorry, y'all. It's not mentioned. Oh, here it is right here. Market Intel. And this is back from June. This was from June. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. That's not where I want to go to first. Here we go. Because all these articles link together. This is from CNN.com, y'all. And the headline reads, Be prepared. For seven percent interest rates warns Jamie Dimon. All right, so interest rates are going to go up again, y'all. This is like how Kyle would put it. Good bad news, man. It's good news in the sense of we're getting closer to the end, but it's bad news in the sense that we gotta be here and go through it. All right, so New York CNN, JP Morgan Chase, CEO. Jamie Dimon, uh, Dimon issued a stark warning Monday to Wall Street. The Federal Reserve may be far from finished with its aggressive regime of interest rate hikes in the fight against inflate, uh, sorry, elevated inflation. Most analysts say the central bank will raise interest rates just one more time in November by 0.25 percent points from its current range of 5.25% to 5.50%. However, Diamond told Bloomberg TV it's possible the central bank will continue hiking rates by another 1.5% points to 7%. So it's going to be a, a rate hike in November, y'all, but it's going like it's been doing. It's going to keep going up each month. And I don't know if y'all know this, man. You go to the grocery store, things is one price one week. You go back the next week, matter of fact, yeah, go back the next week, and it's a little higher. Then you go back the week after that, and then they dropped, they dropped off by a penny. <laughs> so that's what they've been doing. They've been going up and down with prices, up and down, man. I guess trying to make us feel better <laughs> that, 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 uh, or, or, uh, Give us hope that things are going to get better. Just, you know, fluctuating by a couple of cents here and there, trying to fool us. It says uh, that would be the highest federal funds rate since December 1990. In March 2022, when the current hiking regime began, rates were at 0.25% through 0.50%. Diamond was doubling down, I'm sorry, doubling down on comments he made last week in an interview with the Times of India when he said the world is not prepared for 7% rates. <laughs> the world, he didn't say America, the world is not prepared for 7% rate uh, increase hikes. Also, a uh, contrary take. According to the latest Fed projections, officials forecast just one more interest rate hike this year and rates cut next year. 
Still, Diamond, who leads the largest bank in the United States, says Americans need to be prepared for interest rates to surge. And this cat, Diamond, he works with J.P. Morgan. Um, it says that Americans need to be uh, prepared for the rate hikes to surge. When members of his uh, board asked him whether interest rates could really go that high, his answer is always yes, he told Bloomberg. Diamond added that he can't predict the outcome of 7% interest rates on the economy. We may, is the quote, have a soft landing. We may have a mild recession. We may have a harder recession, he said. A 7% rate could also dampen uh, consumer spending and business investments and lead to a slowdown in economic growth. So this is what's to come, y'all. More interest rates high. So look forward to your utility bills going up. I wouldn't be surprised if the rents and the mortgages continue to go up also. So uh, in the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In the mudslide of all of this, let's go here now. Boom. This is from Nerd Wallet, y'all, and this is actually from August. The cost of groceries are food prices going up. That's the headline. Like I said, it's back from August. It says, update, September 13th, to release the most recent consumer prices index data. Have food prices been rising? Absolutely. Thanks to a combination of inflation, pandemic-related supply chain disruption, and tariffs on certain foreign imports, food prices have steadily risen since 2020. But inflation has been slowing in the past year, and the latest data shows the cost of groceries are rising as fast as they were as, as fast as they once were. Like I said, y'all, they've been doing this little trick at the supermarket. I know because I've been there quite often. You go in one day or one week, the prices is high. You go in the next week, they dropped it down a couple pennies. So that's why I say it ain't raising as much as it did. But this is what they're doing. They're just playing with prices to make us think in a situation ain't that bad. Food prices rose 4.3% between August 2022 in August 2023, according to the most recent Customer Price Index, CPI, report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, by comparison, at the same time in 2022, prices rose 10.9% over a one-year period. The CPI uses indexes to measure changes in average cost of items in a given period. There are specific indexes for these items, including food costs. The index for food at home groceries is 3.0 higher year over year from July to August. Grocery costs increased slightly by 0.2%. Restaurant patrons are still paying more, 6.5%, for food than they did a year ago and the price index rose 0.3% in 
from July to August. So this is t talking about the restaurant prices. Also can give you an indicator that you might know that the food you eating from the dollar menu at McDonald's is not real food because other restaurant prices are going up. But how McDonald's still got a dollar menu? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. All right, Rezone, specifically, limited service meals take out only rose 6.7% year over year, while fuel service sit-down restaurant meals rose 5.2% year over year. Overall, the annual inflation rate has been declining. Yeah, or whatever. Labor costs are still high, according to U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Food production costs are estimated to increase 4.1% in 2023, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Droughts and wildfires in the western U.S. led to the lower than average crop yields from farms in that region, driving up customer costs for food. According to NPR, supply chain, supply chain issues that have continued since the pandemic have affected food supply. Yes, y'all, remember all the crazy weather that was going on this summer that's still going on now? Matter of fact, I just heard some. I meant to look into it about how New York got some floods going on there. Again, this is like the second time it happened. But y'all also remember the, the wildfires, the supposed wildfires that they had uh, in Hawaii that destroyed those two uh, islands in, Karai, uh, uh, in Hawaii, those two uh, cities in Hawaii. And I ain't done the research, man, but I, I've heard that those places were destroyed uh, as a form of gentrification by way of fire. <laughs> so that uh, well-to-do people, rich people, could move in and take over those lands. Like I said, I haven't done the research, but I don't put nothing past Esau. Anyway, uh, while the rest of the country was suffering droughts and wildfires, I know it was going on out of California. I know it's been droughts all throughout Texas, y'all. Uh, this whole summer, man, we even had triple-digit weather since what? Damn June, I believe, end of May. And it still ain't really cooled off here. We say it's been cooled off, but it's still in the 90s. And we're October. So whether it's global warming or Esau playing with that heart machine, uh, there's an agenda going on. Uh, it also reads on, it says, the war in Ukraine, a country nicknamed the breadbasket of, bread, bread of Europe, so, yeah, Ukraine is important for the grain. I've read several sources saying the same thing. Um, but I will say this. If Esau could find a scapegoat to blame, anything to blame besides the obvious, they will do so. I'm not saying that uh, this Ukraine uh, war is not an issue, but what I'm saying is they will definitely use it as an excuse for what they're trying to do for their agenda. Don't be fooled, y'all. It says, uh, uh, where I'm at, Ukraine's food exports have historically accounted for 9% of the global wheat market and 
of the corn market, according to the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service. Food prices are projected to rise in 2023, albeit a slow pace than they did in 2022, according to the USDA. So all of this is linked together. We already got the inflation. They're about to raise rates again in November. Food prices going through the roof, but boom, this is why the, the, they're claiming that the food price prices are so high. And I'm inclined to believe some of this. Uh, this is from Market Intel. And like I say, y'all, this is from June 28, 2022. This is old. It says rising fuel costs continue to impact farmers. Like I said, this was a year ago. Like all Americans, farmers and ranchers are facing higher prices at the pump as well as on the farm. Growers have been face, facing these price, price increases throughout the spring as they work to plant during one of the most important crop years in recent history. Growers have expressed concerns about the ability and delivery of diesel fuel when they need it most, especially as they have faced delayed planting in many areas. The window to plant crops this year was smaller than usual, so fuel delivery needed to be timely, but it always was very expensive. Gasoline prices hit a new high rising above $5.06 in June, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. This is a $1.937 per gallon, 63% higher than the same week in June 2021. This new high price of gasoline is nearly two times higher than the five-year average price of gasoline before 2020 when COVID lockdowns pushed gasoline demands way down. Diesel prices rose to $5.718 per gallon in June, up to $2.00. 0.432 0.432 per gallons, or 74%, compared to $3.286 per gallon in June 2021. The current high price of diesel is more than two times the price paid before 2020. Looking back to the end of February 2022, when Russia invaded Ukraine, the price of diesel jumped by $1.15 per gallon within the two weeks following. Before Russia's actions, diesel prices were still rising, but were barely $4 per gallon and had set around $3.60 per gallon as 21-21 close. I'm sorry, 2021 close. So you ask, well, what does this have to do with everything that you've been reading about, Tazapah? Well, because the interest rates are going up, this means you're going to have to pay a high price for everything. You're going to have to pay a high price for food. You're going to have to pay a high price for uh, fuel. These farmers are paying a high price for fuel, which is going to affect the food prices, y'all. So those tractors and stuff that we don't see and all the equipment necessary to harvest your crop, that requires fuel. Right, because the fuel prices are high, the farmers have to pay a higher fuel cost, and that fuel cost rolls down to the consumer, i.e., us. So this is how all of this stuff is 
put together, all this stuff coincides with each other, which affects us. Like I said, good, bad news. Because this stuff has got to eventually come to a head, y'all. So let's get Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And 3 verse 15. That which hath been is now. <laughs> Meaning the past, which has already been, is happening now in the present. It says, and that which is to be the future has already been the past. So history repeats itself. Now listen to this part. And God required that which is past. So the Most High requires history to repeat itself. Why is this important? Let's go to Acts chapter 11 now. So Acts chapter 11, and we're going to go to verse 27, y'all. Acts 11 and 27, and it reads, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. So a prophet is a person that makes a a prediction, according to the scriptures, and it happens. It comes true. Verse 28, And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit, that there should be great dread throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So a dread, y'all, is a drought. So this happened way back then. And you know history repeats itself, and it talks about during the time of Claudius Caesar. So it's talking about the Roman Empire. But America is the latter end. Of the Roman Empire, y'all. Let's not forget that. America set up the same way that Rome is set up. That's why America has what? A Senate. That's why America has a, a president or a Caesar, a first citizen, just like they had in Rome, y'all. No different. Same stuff. Verse 29. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, Determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So the drought was predicted, and brothers took heed to the, the prophet that predicted this drought, and they got moving. They start collecting things to send to our other brothers and sisters that were in Jerusalem. So if they had it, then we had it. This was the collective effort, a, a, a communitive effort. It says, uh, verse 30, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So all of this is going on. And remember, the Bible is not written in a chronological, chronological order, y'all. So you remember Ananias and his wife when they sold the stuff and they hit this is what was going on when it talks about that the disciples had all things in common. This is what was going on, but this is why this was going on because of this drought during the time of Claudius Caesar, y'all. So I'm only bringing this out to show us that this time is coming again to where us as Israelites are going to have to pull all our resources together and survive. And this is why I say, man, 
don't box yourself in as an Israelite just because you with a specific group or a specific camp or a specific acronym. Fellowship with all of Israel because we're going to need each other's help. And when that damn drought rolled through, I doubt if brothers is going to be walking around asking each other, who camp you with? What camp you with? Oh, I ain't messing with you. We don't mess with y'all. I may be wrong. We might be that damn ignorant as Israelites, as people. We might be that damn naive to still be beefing doing a damn drought. Sadly to say. But the time is coming, y'all. We need to be preparing ourselves for that. I know there are several brothers that have purchased land, and they plan on doing homesteads. Uh, I know one brother in particular, the brother Naga Hodge, bought some land here, and I plan on putting my brick in on that land with that brother and establishing what this brother is trying to set up for the nation, man, for the people. So want to applaud that brother for making that move and other brothers as well. All right, y'all. I got a little time left, so let's get into some health, man. Let's go into the health corner. Dabble in some stuff real quick. So uh, last week, I think it was, I was talking to everybody about um, being in a caloric deficit if you were trying to lose weight. So let me explain to everyone what a calorie is. Matter of fact, before I even get into that, let's start off with this right here. Let's get Ecclesiastes chapter 30 and verse 14. And it reads, better is the poor being sound and strong of constitution than a rich man that is afflicted in his body, man. So health is essentially wealth, y'all. Health is essentially wealth because you can have all the money in the world, but if your health is declining, it's useless. It really is, man. But our health is so important, and we need to be more mindful and more conscious of that, especially as we age. So last week I was going over how to be in a caloric deficit. If you missed last week, the way you determine how to be, your caloric deficit, because everybody's different, no people are the same, all right? Everybody's metabolism is different. We've got different ages, different sizes things of that nature. So in order to establish a caloric deficit, you're going to go 2,000, the number 2,000. Most dietary um, packagings and labels are based off a 2,000-calorie diet. This is why you're going to use the number 2,000. And you're going to subtract your weight by that 2,000, and that's going to give you your caloric deficit, Right? And the deficit is you don't want to go over this number. So if your deficit, for example, is 1,700 calories, then you don't want to eat over 1,700 calories. And this will keep your, your weight 
If you're trying to maintain weight or you're trying to lose weight, it will bring your weight down. Because the whole objective in losing weight, the formula behind it is you want to be expending more calories than you're taking in. Okay? What this means is you want to be burning off more calories than you're eating. You want to be moving more than you're eating, y'all, just to simplify it. So what is a calorie? A calorie, the official term for calorie is a unit of heat. And that unit of heat equals energy. So we all need energy or food to function. All right, I'm going to go to this book, this complete guide of fitness, page uh, 499. I had it marked. Sorry, y'all, I did not. Here it is right here. All right, it says, we're going to go to this section. It says, good nutrition. So good nutrition properly, properly controls energy balance. So good nutrition talks about having a well-balanced diet. We're going to definitely get into that. But this controls your energy. It says, without enough energy coming into the body, we just don't work right, and we don't. It's just like, um, you ever been hungry, or you, you missed a meal, you forgot to eat, and you just don't feel right, you get a little brain fog going, or you fatigue, you're just tired, because you have no food in you, you have no energy in you, no calories. It says, functions... That aren't absolutely that are that aren't absolutely essential to survival uh, begin to shut down. These include reproductive functions, metabolic functions, and brain functions. So these things start to shut down when you don't have enough energy in your body, i.e., enough calories. All right. Now let's skip. Let's go to five forty-seven. So we're learning about calories. Now we're going to learn about what's called macronutrients. So macronutrients, y'all consists of proteins, carbs, and fats. Your macros, I'm sorry, yeah, your macros, your proteins are going to be your meats, chicken, fish, beef, lamb, deer. Those are your proteins. We won't even mention that other meat because that doesn't apply to us because that is an abomination to the most high. So your carbs is going to be Things like grains, oatmeal, rice, pasta, quinoa, um, basically your starches. Your fats is going to be things like nuts, seeds, avocado, grapeseed oil, um, avocado oil, uh, different oils, oils that you cook with. We prefer grapeseed oil. We we use basically exclusively 
grapeseed oil for cooking, whether it be deep frying or pan frying or just getting some eggs together. The reason I like grapeseed oil is because it doesn't have additives in it, and you can heat it to extreme temperatures without it having an adverse effect on your health. That canola oil, y'all, stay away from that crap. It is garbage, straight garbo. It's a man-made oil, basically waste product. So these are what your macros are, all right? Once again, proteins, carbs, and fats. But you have to put these protein, carbs, and fats in a specific order, y'all. So your proteins, this is the way your plate should be set up. Listen good, y'all. For men, your protein should be the size of your palm, the size of your palm. Now, they say that you could go two pieces of protein for if you're a man. So two pieces of meat the size of your palm, not my palm, not anybody else's palm, your palm, because we all have different body types and our palms are not the same size. So if you're a man, they say you can do two, but it's up to your discretion. You can do one if you're not a big eater like that. But that would be your protein size, the size of your palm. All right, your carbohydrate size should be a cup of your hand. If you take your hand and you put it into a cup, that's your pro. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's your carbohydrate portion. That should be how many carbs you eat. All right, and this is for a balanced, a well-balanced diet. If you're trying to gain weight, then you would double up on your carbohydrate. So it would be two cup sizes of your hand. All right? Uh, your fats. And I'm sorry, I left out vegetables. Vegetables is also part of your macronutrients. Vegetables are also part of your macronutrients, of your macros. Your vegetables, if you're a man, should be two fists. So make two, make put your fists together, put, make a fist, put them together. That's your vegetable intake. That's the way your plate should be set up. Two fish size portions on your plate. Your fats should be about the size of your thumb. Should be about the size of your thumb. All right? That should be your fats. And this is the way, if you're a man, your plate should be set up at every meal. If you're a woman, your protein size should be one pound. One palm size of meat should be on your plate. Not two, not three, one. All right, the carb portion for a woman should be the cup of her hand, one cup of her hand, all right? Her vegetables should be two fists. I hope you all noticing this. You should have more vegetables on your plate than anything. Vegetables are fiber. I believe the dietary recommendation for fiber for men is 32 grams, I believe. For women, I believe it's like 20 grams of fiber. Vegetables or fiber, fiber is the thing that helps your bowels move properly. You want to be pooping, y'all. You have to be pooping. I'm going to do a whole little segment on constipation. Those bowels have to be moving, and you have to be moving. You have to be exerting that that energy. 
All right? Now, when you put this together, these macros together, you will have what's known as a well-balanced diet. All right? And when I talk about your fats, your fats should be, um, like I said, things like nuts. Um, and then going back to your carbs, your carbs in your uh, vegetables, I'm sorry, your carbs, this is where your fruit come in also because fruits are actually carbs, y'all. It's sugar, but it's the natural sugar. It breaks down and it evaporates. During the summer months, Sugar should be about 20%, not sugar, I'm sorry, fruit. Fruit should be about 20% of your diet during the summer months. During the summer months, fruits. And fruit should be about 20% of your diet. Reason being, fruit has natural sugar in it, which is energy, which if we burn off. We should be moving during the summertime. We should be moving a lot during the summertime, doing a lot of things. Plus the sun is out. We're getting that vitamin D. But uh, you know, during the summertime, that sugar is going to evaporate. Now, during the wintertime, your fruit should be only 5% of your diet because you're not moving as much during the wintertime, and the climate is not the same, all right? 5% of your diet should come from fruits during the wintertime, y'all because it's not going to evaporate the way it does in the summer, the sugar. All right, so let's get uh, Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, chapter 31 and verse 18. Because we just talked about portion sizes on your macros. It says, when thou sittest among many, reach not thy hand out first of all. So this is talking about us when we have this insatiable appetite. We just want to eat all the damn time, man. The first thing you want to do is eat, 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 eat. But it tells us when thou sittest among many, you sit down to a feast, to a meal. It says, reach not thy hand out first of all. Let everybody else eat. Control your appetite. We always want to act like we're starving, man. We got that Esau syndrome going. We just got to eat all the damn time. Verse 19, a very little, listen to this, a very little is sufficient for a man well nourished. You don't need a lot of food. We have a tendency to overeat. We'll eat till we get full, and we'll just keep eating. Oh, I got to have dessert. And a lot of this, y'all, is learned behavior. It's the way we grew up. Y'all will notice this. If your mama didn't cook and y'all was eating fast food all the damn time or processed food, bag food, chicken nuggets, chicken strips that came, some came in a bag, hot pockets, ramen noodles. If you grew up eating like that, if your parents, your mama couldn't cook and she fed you that crap, then guess what? You grew up eating like that and you still eat like that a well-balanced diet. That's not proper nutrition. Those are empty calories. It's just going to make you fat and have your health all jacked up. That's learned behavior. Read this again. A very little is sufficient for a man well-nourished, and he, and he fetches not 
his wind short upon his bed. What this is getting it to now is a lot of us will eat so much food and then we'll lay down on it. We'll lay down on it and we so full you can't even breathe your stuff. you like, now you're in your bed, verse 20, verse 20, sound sleep cometh of moderate eating. Now you don't get a good nice rest because the whole time you laying down on all this food, your body is having to work so hard to break down this damn food all night that you wake up tired. You got a re- you got a restless night because the time you sleep, your body's supposed to be fasting, y'all. It's supposed to be fast. You're giving your body a break. This for this is why for us that are doing and have done the intermediate fasting, the cutoff time for eating is seven seven p.m. Why? Because you give your body time to break that food down before you lay down so you're not going through this. So your body's not having to work all night to process and break down this food so you can reach, achieve REM sleep so you wake up, you're energized in the morning. Instead of you're dragging and you're tired because you laid down on all this food that you stuffed yourself with. Verse 20 again. Sound sleep coming of moderate eating. It says he riseth early. So if you moderately eat, if you set your macros up and use portion control like I just went over and broke down, you'll get up after a good night's sleep early. It says his wits are with him, meaning you still got your mind with you. You don't have that fogginess that you wake up with in the morning or that grogginess or that headache that you wake up with. It says, put the pain of watching, I'm sorry, but the pain of watching. So that pain of watching is when you overeating and you lay down in that food and you just tossing and turning all night. It says, and collar and pains of the belly, those stomach aches, the indigestion, the gas. You eat the food and lay on, lay down on it, that's what you're going to have, indigestion, gas, some cases diarrhea. It says, or with an unsatiable man, meaning what? You can't be satisfied. You eat as, you eat and eat and eat and eat, and you're just not satisfied. Remember, the scriptures even tell you that the flesh can't have enough. The flesh just wants more. So if you don't get control of your flesh, your appetite, then you're going to be insatiable. And because of that, you're going to end up being overweight. You're going to end up being huffing and puffing because it takes you forever to walk up a flight of stairs. You got grandkids and little kids you can't even run around and play with because you out of shape, you overweight, out of breath. Verse 21. And if thou hast been forced to eat, arise, go forth, vomit, and thou shalt have rest. You see what he's saying? If you do have a full stomach, you've been forced to eat, somebody invites you, they just keep handing you plates, keep handing you food, and you feel compelled to eat it, tells you to go throw the food up, man. You'll sleep better if you get all that food off your stomach. Verse 22, my son, hear me 
and despise me not. <laughs> and I know a lot of people <laughs> might be despising Tyler Power because <laughs> I'm bringing out this truth that a lot of us have a tendency to do. But the scripture says, my son, hear me, and despise me not. And at the last, thou shalt find, as I told thee, in all thy works, be quick. So shall there, so shall there no sickness come unto thee. Yeah, you might not like the things I'm telling you or agree with them, but if you follow them, then you won't get sick. You won't have the health ailments. I'm telling y'all, I went over this, man. Esau wants you in his trick bag. He wants you to be medicated. He wants you to come to him. They don't want they don't want to cure anything. There's no money in the cure. There's money in the treatment. Verse 23. Whoso is liberal of his meats. Liberal means I'm free with my meats, man. I just eat. I'm eating three, four, five pieces of meat. I'm going in. It says, Whoso is liberal of his meats, men shall speak well. I'm sorry. Whoso is liberal of his meats, men shall speak well of him. Me, I'm liberal. I'm conscious of my meats. People going to speak well of me. It says, And the reproof, I'm sorry, the report of his good housekeeping will be believed. Meaning what? People see how you look. They see the good health that you're in because you are conscious about the meat or the portions that you take in. Verse 24. But against him that is a nigger of his meat, I'm that nigger. I'm going to come to the cookout, and I'm going to get me four, five pieces of meat. I'm going to have me about three plates, and then I'm going to take a couple plates with me. <laughs> Cut <and> Pete. <laughs> you being a nigger. Read it again. But against him that is a nigger of his meat, the whole city shall murmur. Man, that nigger, that nigger always eating. Best the nigga got some snacks on him right now. You like baby B. You got all the snacks. You know when the new snacks coming out. <laughs> it says, and the testimonies of the niggerness shall not be doubted of. Your reputation is going to precede you. Everybody gonna know you the nigger. Cause you're overeating. You have no cutoff point. Verse 25, shew not thy valiant, valiantness in wine, nor, I'm sorry, for wine hath destroyed many. So it goes into food, but look how it just transfers over and goes right in to uh, drinking, man. goes right into drinking. It's telling us to use restraint. Not just with food, but if you're a drinker, a drinker of alcohol, you love the alcohol, man, be moderate in your consumption of it. It has consequences, y'all. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5.
Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, and it reads, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So this is the definition, the definition for moderation. It says avoiding extremes of behavior or expression. So I'm not too extreme. In my eating, I'm not extreme. In my drinking alcohol, I'm not extreme. I'm drinking sodas. I ain't extreme. I'm drinking sugary beverages. I ain't extreme. I'm drinking whatever. I'm not extreme with it. It's moderate. I have self-control. I, I have discipline. It says observing reasonable limits. So moderation means to have reasonable limits. You know what? I'm going to just eat one plate, and it's going to be a moderate-looking plate. It ain't going to be loaded up to the top. And you know, this is one, thing that, one of the things that bothers me also about Israel. We have these feast days, y'all, and food just gets piled on top of the plate. It don't even look like a plate no more. It's just a mountain of substances over it. It don't even look appetizing, man. Like, damn, who you feeding? A bunch of damn animals? Can we get a moderate plate size? A well-proportioned plate. Anybody who eat all that damn food? We shouldn't be trying to uh, force people to eat that much food. You know, and then the sisters always be mad at the end because it don't it don't be a lot of food left over. When we had more more than enough food, but y'all should have made those plates more moderately. That'd be on y'all a lot of the time. I know the brothers want to be damn gluttons, which they shouldn't want to be. You ain't that damn hungry. Isn't that what Paul was talking about? Don't we got houses and kitchens at home? You can eat at home, man. You ain't that damn hungry. Stop being a pig. Stop overeating. I was talk, talking to a brother about that. That very same thing, man. The food was good this year, but the menu could have the menu could have been better. Nothing green on the plate. Nothing. We got people walking around, diabetic, heart disease. I got this ailment. I got, you know how we are. You know how it is. Look around, man. Unhealthy. We didn't used to be like this, y'all. We didn't used to be like this. But all of this comes from not being moderate in our diet, in our consumption of food. But the Most High gave us instructions to be moderate in your food, to be moderate in your meats. Because if you ain't, this is going to happen. Ecclesiastes chapter 38 and verse 15. He that sinneth before his maker. Now, all the instructions we got were commandments. Let's not get it twisted. What we, what we just read in Ecclesiastes chapter 31, what we just read in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, those are orders, commandments. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, because what does it mean to sin? It means to break the commandments. It's transgression of the law, according to 1 John 3 and 4. Now, listen to this, Ecclesiastes chapter 38, verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 15. He that sinned, so him that breaks the instructions, the commandments, 
It says, before his maker, let him fall into the hand of the physician. So you wonder why people sitting up in the doctor's office with the cancer, with the sugar, with the hypertension, because you ain't listening to the instructions. You're not following the instruction manual. This is why you fell into the hands of Esau and you in this trick bag right now. And he want to cut on you. Or he want to put you on some damn blood um, medication because your blood pressure too high. When your blood pressure too high, why don't you stop eating all that damn salt in your food? Why don't you get out and take a walk after you eat? Why don't you move? These drugs they're prescribing, those side effects is damn worse than what you're dealing with. You might as well just keep the ailment you got. But all of this comes from having that insatiable appetite, man. You can't be satisfied. We have a tendency, we ain't even hungry. We just see food that we want to eat. We eat because we bored. You bored, why don't you go for a walk? Why don't you put on YouTube and find a, a yoga video, do some yoga. Go for a run, go for a walk. Do some calisthenics. Do something to where you're moving. Go play with your kids. Like I said, man, this is all done out of love, man. All out of love. None of us are perfect. I know everybody like they little uh have their little vices where they want to pull up at the Whataburgers or what have you. And that's cool, y'all. Maybe once a month though. Let's not be doing it every day, five days a week. I ain't getting no 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 good nutrition, no nutritionally dense food. I'm just eating junk all the time, twenty four seven. We have to be more conscious about our health, y'all. So that's the health corner, y'all. Uh, kind of went over, uh, but it's all good. I'm gonna take a brief intermission, y'all. And I'm gonna come back with the class entitled "Never Wax Pale: Christ and His Passion, Part 6. I'll be right back, y'all.
right, y'all, I am back. Uh, this is a series that I've been working on for quite some time. Uh, and my attempt, uh, my purpose for doing this series, I was attempting to walk us through the Bible, starting with the uh, five major captivities that the Israelites have been through, and bring us all the way up to the time of Christ, uh, the disciples, and um, things of that nature. And I say the, the five major captivities because there were five major captivities that the Israelites went into. I've covered this extensively in the class, Never Wax Pale. Um, the first captivity or the first major captivity being the Assyrian captivity in which the northern kingdom of Israel was um, basically took out of our land around 722 B.C. Um, this was after the split of the kingdom in nine around 930 B.C. And then the uh, Babylonian captivity, which happened around 586 B.C., which was the southern kingdom. Then the Persian and Mede captivity, which happened around 538 B.C., which led into the Greek captivity around 333 B.C., followed by the Roman captivity around 221 B.C., I believe it was. So um, last week we were going over Christ, his resurrection, and him coming and showing himself to the disciples after he resurrected. So we're going to pick back up there, y'all, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. And this is all of the disciples' accounts of what happened when Christ resurrected. Uh, so we're getting accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're going to be in Acts a lot. All right, we're in Luke, y'all. Luke 24 and verse, what was that? Yeah, 48. And it says, and ye are witnesses of this thing. Now, the, this thing he's talking about is the repentance to Israel amongst all nations, because Israel was scattered through all nations. That's in verse 47, and I covered this last week and brought our scriptures to prove it. But he says that ye are witnesses of these things. Now, who is the ye that he's talking about? Who are the witnesses? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43, y'all. Isaiah 43 and verse 1 to be jumped. Isaiah 43 and 1. But now thus said the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. So this is who he's addressing, talking to Jacob. It says, and he that formed the old Israel, Jacob and Israel, the names were synonymous with each other. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I call thee by thy name, thou art mine. So Israel belongs to the Most High. And this is who he's addressing in verse 1 of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. Now we're going to jump down to verse 10 to get who the witnesses are. Ye are my witnesses, said the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So this is the Most High speaking to the Israelites, who he calls in verse 10, his witnesses. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 24 and verse 48, and it reads, And ye 
are witnesses of these things. So this is Christ talking right here, but who is he talking to? The people that have historically always been the witnesses of the Most High, and those being the Israelites. And this is what he's talking to in Luke. Hope y'all seeing this. Reading on, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. What promise? That he was going to save us from the hands of our enemies like he's always saved us throughout all the captivities that I just named, I just ran down. That's all throughout the Old Testament, y'all. So verse 49, reading it again. And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endured with power from on high. Verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God Amen. So this is Luke's account that he wrote, but this is what Luke was talking about because he says the exact same thing in the book of Acts. So let's go to Acts, y'all, because Luke wrote Acts. He was part one of Paul's scribes. So Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. What commandments did he give? We're about to read it. To whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion. What was Christ's passion? His people is what he died for, the Israelites. It says, by many infallible proofs, and he did. He showed up after he resurrected, and he gave a lot of proofs that it was him. It says, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, it says that he appeared before his disciples. He was hanging out with his disciples 40 days. And I don't think a lot of people understand or notice but, y'all, this was three days after Christ resurrected. <laughs> this was three days after Christ resurrected. So we read the accounts of the disciples, which we get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was three days after he resurrected, but then he spent 40 days hanging out with them after he resurrected. And we think that these these things happened uh, like a month later or whatever or what have you or, or a year or two later. But these have these things happen like simultaneously. So the book of Acts, this was actually happening or actually yeah, actually went on like three days after Christ had resurrected. So reading on, it says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. Now, we just read the exact same thing in Luke. Remember, Luke's the author of Acts. So like I'm telling you all, Acts happened three days. 
after Christ was resurrected. Acts chapter 1, reading on verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? So what was the Israelites asking? Oh, we're going to get out of this captivity. That's basically what we wanted to know. And I went over this before, verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which, which the Father had put into his own power. But ye, are, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Like I said, once again, we just read this in Luke chapter 24, y'all. Unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Why would he say this? Because the Israelites were scattered through the four corners of the earth. And the Israelites, historically, once again, according to Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10, always been the most high witnesses. Verse 9, and when ye, I'm sorry, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. We just read the exact same thing. Practically verbatim in Luke, the 24th chapter. All right, let's get St. John now, chapter 20. And we're going to start at verse 24. And remember, all of these are accounts of when Christ was resurrected. The disciples' accounts of when Christ was resurrected. Verse 24, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Demius was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thus my hand into his side, I will not believe. So this was Thomas like, Nope. I got to put my hands into the nails. I got to see it. You know, the scripture said that the Jews require a sign, man. <laughs> and you remember what Christ said? He says, an adulterous and wicked generation required a sign. But this is one of his disciples saying he needed a sign. Now watch this. Watch, watch what happened. Watch what Christ told. Verse 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with him. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. So Christ showed up and said, Shalom. Verse 27. Then said he unto, said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. So obviously, Yahweh Christ knew what Thomas had said, because what was the first thing he told Thomas to do? To put his fingers in the holes. Indeed, he told him to not be faithless. He told him, but to believe. So what did not just all Israel have a problem believing, but also the disciples had a problem believing what? That Christ was, in fact, the Messiah, the Savior that the Old Testament spoke of. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and, the, and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, 
Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. <laughs> so Christ like, oh, because you see me and you're able to put your fingers in the holes, now you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You see this? <laughs> see how Christ checked him? Like, oh, you need to see. So seeing is believing, huh? The proof's in the pudding, huh? You ain't got no faith. So Christ said, the ones that have not stuck their fingers in my in my in the holes of my body, those are the ones that believe, man. Those are the ones that I recognize. Get uh, we gonna hold this, hold this, y'all. Let's get Saint John chapter fourteen. Like I said, the disciples they had issues believing that Christ was the Messiah, also. I guess it was uh, them not understanding the scriptures for one, but then two. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of J.A. Rogers' book *Nature Knows No Color Line* when it dis- gave the description of Christ and how he looked. It said that he was a dwarf and he had a long face and an immature beard and a hump in his back. You know, which goes with uh, Isaiah. I think it was the 53rd chapter where it says there should be no desire of calmness in him. Saying, t- talking about how Christ was not beautiful. But remember, Israel had a history of wanting beautiful leaders. Because why was Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Saul picked as a leader? Because he was handsome, a handsome, tall guy. So that's who he was looking for. So we're in St. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said unto him, Lord, shew us the Father. Now this is another disciple, Philip. He says, and this, and this suffice us. So Philip wanted to see <laughs> the Most High. Verse 9, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that had seen me, he that had seen me, has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, to us the Father? So this is Christ way back before he even was crucified, saying that, he looked like the father. Questioning uh, our belief system even back then, I'm going to prove it, verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So this was way back then, before Christ even resurrected. He had doubters on his team back then. Remember, when Christ was crucified, everybody left him. Why did everybody leave? Because everybody doubted him. Not all believed. All right, going back to St. John chapter 20, verse 25. Then the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, and Thomas, reach hither thy fingers, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hands, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord 
my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. So it's a lot of stuff we ain't got, y'all. There are other books out there somewhere, but we know the damn book of Jasher and the book of Enoch is not it. We know that those other crazy books they got with the extensions of Acts is not it because they contradict the scriptures. But we know they out there. A lot of stuff we don't know. But there's a lot of stuff we do know according to the books that we do have. Verse 31, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed Savior, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So let's go to Mark chapter 16, man. The pattern I'm trying to show, man, is that the disciples, for as close as, as tight as they was with Yahushua, not all of them truly believed, even after his resurrection. Mark 16, let's go to verse 9. So this is Mark's account. Now, when Jesus was risen, early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, and she went and told them that that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. (laughs) Verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto, unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. They didn't believe. Now listen, y'all, and I already went over this. All the miracles that Christ did, and the disciples still were doubting. Verse 14, afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. The heart's talking about the mind. Why didn't they believe it was hard-headed? They were stuck on what they knew, man. This is Israel all day, every day. We only stuck. I know what I know. I know what I know. You ain't going to tell me nothing different. (laughs) This is us, man. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. (laughs) So they won't believe the account of other Israelites that seen him after he resurrected. Verse 15, and he said to them, go ye into all the world. Now, before we start tripping, this ain't talking about all nations. When it says all the world, it's talking about all the Israelites that were scattered throughout the world, y'all. It says, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. So Christ is giving a sign to the Israelites to show the other Israelites that don't believe, that these ones that are doing these things are the ones that believe in me. 
So he said the first thing he said he's gonna make them speak with new tongues. So let's get that. Let's go to Acts, y'all. Yeah, Acts chapter uh two. Wait till y'all see this, man. I know this blew my mind. Acts chapter two. And uh let's start at verse one. And when the days of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were uh, sitting. Now, verse 1, y'all, is interesting. It's a lot of meat there, but I ain't going to get into all of it. But these Israelites were celebrating the day of Pentecost, also known as first fruits or the feast of weeks. But I thought when Christ when Christ died, the law was nailed to the cross with him, and we have to keep the law no more. But you got these disciples who were faithful that followed Christ, celebrating the ceremonial law, which is the day of Pentecost. Stop, y'all. Stop. It says, and suddenly there came a, a sound from heaven as a rushing mightily wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with, uh, speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. <laughs> Y'all see this? This is what uh, Christ just talked about in Mark chapter 16. It says, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, I'm reading right here like I'm retarded because a lot of people read over this. And they just see, see the Gentiles, the other nations. But well, we're finding out here in verse 5 that the, the day of Pentecost was a bunch of Jews speaking in different languages because they had grew up in different countries. But they still were what? Jews or Israelites. Because after the Babylonian captivity, they started referring to all of us as what? Jews. Because that was the southern kingdom's captivity, which was the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and some of the Levites. Going on, verse 6. Now, when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And there were all... And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Gal- Galileans? And how here we, every man in our own tongue, meaning whatever tongue they grew up speaking, wherein we were born. Verse 9. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Furiguay, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews 
proselytes. These were Israelites, y'all. Crete and Arabian. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Hope everybody's seeing this. Now, I came here because we're coming from Mark. We're coupling this with Mark chapter 19. I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 17. Where Christ said that the believers were going to speak in tongues. Now, let's go to uh, Acts chapter 5. Verse 14. And believers, furthermore, added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There also, I'm sorry, there came also a multitude out of the cities. Round about, went to Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. Because remember what Christ says. Go back to Mark real quick. Mark chapter 16 and verse uh, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Which the brother we reading about the brothers doing, they shall speak with new tongues. Hope y'all are seeing this. All right, verse nineteen. So uh, wait a minute. Verse eighteen. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on sick, and they shall recover. Now, he said that they was going to get bit by serpents, right? So let's get there. Let's get Acts chapter 28. Acts 28 and, hold on, let me find it. Um, verse 1. Acts 21. And when they were escaped, then they knew <coughs> that the island was called uh, Melita, and the barbarous people shewed us no little kindness, for they kindled the fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. So this is Paul writing when he's talking about we receive, I'm sorry, not Paul, Luke writing. And he said they received us once again. Luke wrote Acts, and Luke was one of Paul's scribes. Verse 3, and when Paul had gathered a bundle and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said amongst themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance to fight, suffereth not to live. So they talking about, hey, man, you made it out of the sea, but the most high judgment, because the most high adventure is his, was to kill him, right? Verse 5. And he shook off the beast unto the fire and felt no harm. So Paul got bit by a damn viper, a venomous snake, and he lived. Now listen to this, verse 6. 
Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come unto him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. (laughs) But Christ predicted this. Let's go back to uh, Mark now, Mark chapter 16 and verse 18 we was at. Yeah, it says, they shall take up serpents, and if they they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So we just got Paul's account of the serpent biting them, and he didn't die. So this, this prophecy rang true. This is what Christ said would happen. All right, it says, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now, we read the same account. Luke said this in Luke chapter 24. This is Mark's account, and Luke also said this in Acts chapter 1. Reading on, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with with signs following Ah, All right. So let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 12 now, y'all. the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, I want us to understand this. So Christ was in the, the, was dead three days and three nights and then three days later he came out and hung out with the disciples for 40 days. So altogether he was uh, yeah, he hung out with the disciples 40 days this is what's so interesting about this, because a week or so later, this right here happened. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So if you're unfamiliar with the day of Pentecost or what it even means, the word penta uh, means 50, and the word cost means day. So the 50th day. So this was 50 days. So why is this meaningful? So let's get Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. 
we get the 23rd chapter, and we're going to jump around a little bit, y'all. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations or holy gatherings, even these are my feasts. So these are the feasts of the Most High. Let's jump down to verse 10. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye come, when ye be come into the land, which I give you, give unto you, and ye shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. So this is talking about first fruits. Now listen. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be acceptable for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer that day when ye wave the sheep and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two-tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil and offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. And the drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of a hen. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears, Unto the self the self same day that ye have brought an offering unto your God, it shall be a statue or a law forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places. So the high this is a high holy day that's gonna last forever, like all of them last forever. And I'm bringing this out because some brothers believe that we ain't gotta do the ceremonial law no more. Tripping. And this says forever. Generation to generation. Verse 15. And ye shall count unto you, this part I'm going to get to, from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. How long is seven Sabbaths? Verse 16. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days, which would give you what? Cost. I hope y'all hearing this. The same Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So Acts happened roughly about a week or so after Christ left. (laughs) I'm sorry, Pentecost. Pentecost happened about a week or so after Christ left. Because remember, Christ was in the earth three days and three nights, right? And we got countless scriptures that say Christ spent 40 days with the disciples. So that would give you a total of Christ being with the disciples and hanging out for 43 days. And remember, Christ was killed around the time of Passover. So you do the math. So 50 days after that would give you Acts chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost. All right, read on. And ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Now, let's get 1 Corinthians chapter 15. To further edify when this happened, when Acts chapter 2 happened. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. And it reads, Moreover, brethren, this is Paul, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, 
and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, and then of the twelve, after that he was seen of seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. So this is talking about how Christ did resurrect. Hold on, the scripture I'm missing, y'all. Hold on, let me go back and do it. I'm sorry, y'all. Let me go. I got to get the scripture. I'm tripping. I was supposed to read that. All right, Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, uh, matter of fact, let me start at 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he threw the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he shewed himself alive. That's the part I want to get to. After his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. Y'all see that, right? 40 days. So when did Acts, the second chapter, happen? Like I said, it happened a couple of weeks or about a week after Christ had left. Because we know that Christ was uh, crucified. Doing Passover, Passover feast of unleavened bread, same day. And then we know that seven Sabbaths after feast of unleavened bread would give you 50 days. Hence, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, once again, this was after Christ died, resurrected, and taught the disciples. So 50 days later, or 50 days after his uh, crucifixion, was the day of Pentecost, man. Hope everybody's seen it. I know it was kind of rough. The transition was rough. I read the wrong scripture. I'm sorry, y'all. But that's what I wanted to show, that the day of Pentecost happened 40 days or um, a couple days after Christ went back, after he descended. And went back to the heaven with the most high man Probably like a week or so Because we know he hung out with the disciples for 40 days And he was in the ground Dead for 3 days That's 43 days Let's see 43 4, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50 So about a week So a week, a week after Christ left Was the day of Pentecost man 
Hope y'all see that. Hope y'all seeing that. All right, now let's go back to uh, – I got a little time. I think I can squeeze it in. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read this again. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Whose sins? The Israelite sins. The only people that was ever given the law to break the law, which is sin, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of uh, Cephas, then of the twelve, that's Peter. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. So Christ had a whole bunch of disciples, man. According to this, about 500 brothers. 500 brothers were following Christ, but some fell off. Why did they fall off? Let's get St. John chapter 6. The same reason many of us fall off to this day, man. Unbelief. I gave it away, man, but I'm running out of time. St. John chapter 6. Let's start at verse 63. We're going to jump a little bit. He says, It is the spirit that quickens, the flesh profit in nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. A lot of us don't get this, man, but we are predestined. Like it tells us in Isaiah chapter 1, it says, Before I formed you in the, in the womb, I knew thee. The Most High has destined a certain number of us to get this truth, man. And for us that have it and have, have hung around and endured, we are truly blessed and fortunate to have this opportunity. But a lot of brothers and sisters, you look up and they're gone. You don't know where they at or they went back to the world. Uh, you can't even really have a conversation with them, man. They're gone because of the unbelief. Now, granted, there, are, they, there have been situations in uh, your camp that have not been easy to overcome. There's been splits and all types of things. But remember what the scriptures tell us in Romans. I meant to get that scripture. It says, uh, whom shall separate you from the love of Christ? Then it goes on to name what? Not whom, but what? And the reason being is it because the whom is the person that brought the what? A lot of us left because of a certain person. And what they was doing to us But this all goes back to Do you believe Is this going to separate you Because this person Is doing this to you That's going to make you believe Oh the Bible ain't real now Oh the Jews ain't black no more Oh that Israelite stuff That's some man made stuff Or y'all fantasizing Or y'all in the cult Is this what's going to cause you not to believe 
Reading on, verse 64. But there are some some of you that believe not, but Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Goes back to what I just mentioned. Isaiah the first chapter. Before I knew I knew thee. We all are predestined. Some of us gonna make it, some of us ain't. We've lost quite a few brothers and sisters, and I miss them. Some of them I still talk to, just to check in, man. But don't let your friendship with these fallen brothers and sisters determine your salvation or deter your salvation. So, y'all, I think this is a good place to stop. I got plenty more um, coming. I'm not done with this particular segment of Wax Pale Crisis Passion, so we're going to be at point seven, y'all. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Water Michelle for hooking up the broadcast, even though you on location, my brother. <laughs> Would you tell them, brothers, I said shalom to us. Now, I appreciate, man, all the feedback, everybody telling me how they like the show, how it's edifying. Y'all keep coming with y'all questions and comments, man, and y'all support, man. But until next week, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tazapah. Tuesday. Tazapah. Tuesday. Tazapah. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say shalom. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.